Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Two, one, and we're back. And Julie Harris, it is September the 21st, and we are talking about the secret speaking power, seven deadly sins to avoid. Yes, with the subtitle, <laughs> do people want to actually listen to you? And if you sound, if Julie's voice sounds a little odd, that just hearing her talk now, it does sound a little odd to me. Sorry. It's because she just got back from the dentist and again, luck, and, again and lucky <laughs> for her, she does not have to have a root canal. Woohoo! Best news of the day. <laughs> and you guys might be able to tell also she's still a little bit high on the dentist, you know, happy gas, but yeah. that's okay. It might make for a very entertaining podcast. So yeah. <laughs> well, actually, funny that you should bring that up. Um, I was thinking about, you know, our topic that we're working on is how you speak to people, how do, you, how do you converse, how do you present, right? And so an example that everybody can probably relate to is when you go to the dentist or when you go to have a procedure or whatever. And I, I think it, as an agent, they relate to it, things like uh, the home inspector. You can deliver bad news in a couple of different ways, right? So you can be like, you're going to have to have a root canal, see you in a week. Or you might be like, you know what, I'm going to be really careful and take care to maybe make it so you can't have to have a root canal. And, you know, here's the three steps that I'm going to take to make you more comfortable with this. Right. You see the difference in real estate. It's the home inspector that says, you know, this is a super old furnace. I don't know about this thing, you know, and puts a date on it. This was, you know, a 1973 furnace and doesn't give the buyer any more information, just freaks them out. The buyer backs out because they have in their head made up a price that's probably at least five times what it's really going to cost. Nobody talked to him about a home ins- or a, um, you know, about a warranty. It's kind of like bedside manner for business. Yeah. If that makes sense. Well, definitely. I mean, that basically comes from having a skill set, though, ultimately. Yes, and having worked on it. Yeah. And then the reason that people don't have uh, the ability to have those conversations, you know, that are making people feel more assured and that you're an expert who's in control is because they just don't know how to do it. And so oftentimes they'll, they'll, they go to one end of the spectrum or the other, right? They're either overly direct, impersonal, and basically have crappy bedside manner, or they're just basically going to be marshmallows and not really, and just try to obfuscate the truth. Well, I will give you a third option, which I think is worse than the first two. And that is that they kind of BS their way around something. That was my marshmallow example. Yeah. Yeah. And that comes that comes from lack of experience and that will erode the confidence that people have in you, which means ultimately they won't want to use you. But guys, this all circles back to the same thing, right? Knowledge equals confidence, ignorance equals fear. And sometimes the ignorance that you have is of the market or you have a ignorance of how to sell a particular kind of, you know, real piece of real estate. But really the ignorance we're talking about is how to communicate at a high level with all kinds of different folks. And really at the end of the day, little conversational glitches that a lot of us have formed over time. And it is funny. I was listening to a podcast. Pretty much all I do is listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the glitches, a lot of the, uh, you know, the conversational glitches happen um, in the same exact, everyone just sort of normalizes a certain little abnormality in the way they talk. You know, you mentioned yeah. yesterday the upswing, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of other people that will st- start talking like every fourth word they'll say, right? You know, but right. I counted. Yeah. What? The presentation that you and I just had that somebody was presenting to us. Oh, yeah. And I, I stopped at 52 times in like 20 minutes. 
It was like every fourth word was right, right? We it, it was a bridge word. That's a speech, you know, people will call that a stall word or a bridge word. And some of that is okay because it indicates you're thinking about what you're going to say. That's in the same category of um and okay. And this particular person was using right, right, right. But his was worse because he had the upswing on the right, right? And so it was very distracting to listen to, I thought. We are in a Zoom sales presentation for a new LMS. That's what Julie's talking about for the coaching yeah. company. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Honestly, I wasn't even listening because I just want to know the content and get off, right? I know. Well, but that is something that, again, if you have those types of little, they sort of build up, like people are always sort of, when they're trying to choose a professional, right? When they're trying to think about your level of really everything, it's it, all these little tiny idiosyncratic, not just obviously we're focused on little in the voice inflections and all that. We're going to get into more of the weeds about communication foibles, but it all compounds. And these all go back to the massive you know moments of truth list that Julie and I shared with you on a past podcast as part of our coaching program. These are all really the old way of saying is they're touch points, but they're not really even touch points. They're, you know, Howard Brenton used to say they're moments of truth, right? Whenever the public comes in contact, I just said, right, mm -hmm. wherever the public comes in contact with you. Uh, that's a, kind of a moment of truth. So it'd be a for sale sign, how you answer the phone. Your if handshake. you If you answer the phone, how you look, your handshake. But nowadays with all these uh, you know, digital forms of communication, you even have more moments of truth. And there's something in the, um, uh, I think the parlance, it, and people refer to it as virtue signaling. Mm -hmm. And that is where you're essentially trying to signal that you you have a certain value set or you have a certain, uh, you know, maybe political or social perspective on something. And so you drop little things. And again, if you're surrounded by other people that are virtue signaling in the similar way, and then you take yourself out of that environment and you still like, I'll give you an example and I'm not judging. I'm just saying this is Julie and I had this experience about a year ago. Mm -hmm. So there was a guy that we met named Scotty mm -hmm. who was a really great yeah. guy. And, and he didn't, he was still fit. He just moved here with his family and has two little kids and he's still trying to, one of his little kids was basically a baby and he's still trying to figure out his way, you know, around Puerto Rico and in our community and the whole thing. It's, it, you know, it's a big integration thing. And so um, he was having, and he had previously lived in a very liberal part of the country. And he was having this conversation on how they were letting their daughter, and again, I'm, not, I'm just making this statement. I'm not trying to cast dispersions or anything, how they were letting their daughter choose her gender. And this kid was like six months. Yeah. And, and they weren't like giving her dolls or having her wear one color over the other. And he just had this long thing. And Julie and I were just sitting there staring at him. And he looked up and he goes, he sort of realized what he was doing. He caught himself that he realized he was basically virtue signaling. And, and Julie and I were not stopping him and saying anything. We weren't going to say, you know, yes or no. We're just being observational. But he sensed it and then he caught himself. And that was an, exa an example where he is used to having those types of conversations around other people that would have you know, felt that was something that is a conversation topic. You know, some of you, if you were living in Columbus, Ohio, where Julie and I used to live, you know, if you're not basically planning your life around the Ohio State University's football schedule, Something's well, wrong with you're, you, kind of, you're kind of virtue signaling <laughs> something that's not going to make you last long in Columbus, Ohio. Exactly. I mean, you well, guys get the every point. Every region has that. And every, you know, some states have that. Some neighborhoods even have that. Some schools have that. So it's not that we're coaching you to be overly sensitive to it, mm -mm. but more to know that these things are in your speech patterns. 
And it's interesting, we were talking about the Zoom presentation we was using, right, too much. Mm -hmm. These these uh, speech ticks are contagious. Oh, of course. That's what I was trying to express. Yes. If you're around other people mm -hmm. that are sounding and let alone looking like you, you're going to become mm -hmm. like them. But here's sure. ultimately where all this type of information, this content is supposed to lead you listeners. So hopefully you guys are having these little tiny sparks go off, maybe a whole fledged, full fledged epiphany or breakthrough. Is it your, the way you be, uh, I, mean, I was about to use the word enlightened, which is a woo woo word, but I'll use it. But the way you become an enlightened version of yourself is to be introspective and be observant of yourself. And that's the reason that Julie and I present a lot of the content that we do, not because we're saying this is the way to be, think this way, do this way. We're trying to get you to start uh, basically uh, interacting with your own behavior as if you know you were being coached. Like if you had somebody that was observing you, what would be the list of things that they would make that you are that that are working against your aim? that are maybe even uh, destroying a lot of the potential you might have to be a service to as many other people as you possibly can that you're not even aware of, that you've normalized. And, and a lot of that stuff, once you're made aware of it, once you actually consciously observe yourself in that behavior and become introspective of it, it really does open up Pandora's box for all kinds of different pathways and opportunities you have in life. Because when you discover that you're doing this one thing, or maybe you're a gossiper, and Julie talked about that yesterday, or maybe you're somebody that is so focused on, oh, I forget this term. It was such an awesome term. I read another article when we were on our uh, sojourn around the country. Remember I was telling you about it. It was basically this There's this current in the um, self-improvement space. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that basically have taken on this persona of being overly positive all the damn time, right? Right to the point where it's a little bit. I mean, not even a little bit. It just it seems a little bit. Well, I said a little bit again, so I'm trying to be you know polite. But it seems a little crazy. A, a little unsustainable slash fake at times. Right, fake. And there's a, but there's been studies that have been done on that. And a lot. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to say when you work on yourself enough. When you spend enough time on your, you know, dream boards and meditation and working on your big why and all these other sort of new age self-improvement things, then all of a sudden on the other side of that, you're going to be in this constant state of bliss where that is literally not possible. Physiologically, it's the, not possible. The human in you senses that that's not something that you can do all They're the just trying to sell you something by, sure. by putting on this persona of having this heightened state of constant optimism, all the rest of it. But the reality of this is that is against our physiology because you can't be constantly optimistic because other, and I'm not saying don't be optimistic. I am saying be optimistic, but it's just the example we gave you guys yesterday. You know, when you were the, the prehistoric version of you and your family walking into a woods mm -hmm. and another family walks out, you're not going to be sharing with them how the sky is blue and how it's a, you know, did you see that butterfly? You're going to be asking them what's in that woods that maybe you need to be preparing, uh, you know, that might try to kill you or what have you. And then they're going to ask you the same thing about the direction you just came. So in, innate into all of us is a desire to basically make be, uh, tomorrow better than today. But again, a lot of these little foibles that we've adopted or we've normalized, uh, even though they might, when I'm describing, well, how would you like to be a person that's always optimistic and smiley? So you might think, well, that sounds like a great uh, way to be. That sounds like how I want to be. But what if you discover that along the way that you are actually just faking it and you're acting like you feel a certain way. And I'm not going to give any overly specific examples, but Julie and I do have some friends who are pretty big names in the self-improvement industry. And um, when you talk to them, when they're not on stage or they're not being recorded or not in front of an audience or not when they're actually being themselves, they're totally and completely normal. So they really have pulled on this suit that they have this, you know, 
They have this it's appearance. It's a performance persona. It's a performance persona, and th- but they've gotten to the point where they're not seeing that performance persona is uh, is literally making it so that they're running people off because other people will see them and say, "Well, that is kind of an interesting state of being." But the reality of it is, is I want to attach to somebody who is a little bit more balanced in how they essentially approach life, and it, it, it admits that they're working through stuff. And whereas other, you know, you guys Keeping get the gist real. of what we're saying, right? Yeah. So you pick up all these little things along the way, and then you become this, you know, fully grown uh, ass adult, right? Most of you anyway. <laughs> and, and then you forget how basically you got there, and you forget all the little, you know, all the little uh, piece, the ingredients that went into the, the stew that is you. Uh, and so you take the time occasionally to be introspective. Why do I talk the way I talk? Why do I think the way I think? It's okay to go and challenge some of these things because what you're doing is you're operating on software, basically, right, that's been upgraded many, 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 many times. But there might be elements of version, you know, Julie version 1.0 or 5.0 that was relevant, you know, 25 years ago that's not serving her anymore. But there might be a little laggards in that software that's still in, trying to integrate with the new version of her that's holding her back and she might not even know it. It could be self-doubt. It could be beliefs about her, you know, limiting beliefs. It could be all those types of things. But really, again, the point of when Juliana presents information like this to you guys is so that you will at least give a little bit of time to being introspective. And you might discover, you certainly will discover if you do the real work, that some of the things that you have normalized about yourself, beliefs and communication styles and just perspectives and you know, viewpoints, they are Habits. not serving you anymore. They're completely obsolete. So along those lines, Julie, let's get to the next point. Yes. So this is part of the seven deadly sins of communication. And we started this yesterday. This is a multi-part podcast series. And this is Real Estate Coaching Radio because we forgot to mention that at the top. All right. So if you missed one through three, get caught up because we're starting on number four of our seven deadly sins. Excuses. Are you wielding a blame thrower? Own it. All of it, even if it's only partially your fault, it's honorable and an amazing example to set for your kids, your clients, your friends to be accountable. For example, and this is something I've presented on coaching calls before, and this I think is a really important thing in life and in business, how to actually deliver an apology, which is meaningful. And I've read about this in different, you know, psychology things, and I've seen it in parenting magazines and business stuff. So this is a great four-part thing. The first thing you do is you actually acknowledge the offending behavior. For example, I forgot to send the signatures back in time versus the signatures weren't sent in time. You see how one way, uh, when they teach this in in writing class, they they tell you not to be passive uh, with like your characters or something. There's a difference between saying the car got wrecked versus I wrecked the car. Okay, I forgot to send the signatures back in time or the signatures weren't sent in time or I couldn't find the other agent. That's your blame thrower. It's not your fault. Don't do that. So step number one, acknowledge the offending behavior. Step number two, state how the mistake was hurtful. That shows that you understand the mistake. I'm sorry that this caused you a lot of stress. It was entirely my fault. Step number three, actually make amends. Here's how I'm going to fix the situation or ask the offended party how you can make things better. Letting them be heard can erase negative feelings and correct course. And fourth, promise the behavior will not happen again. In the future, I'll be communicating with you more and letting you know exactly what deadlines are coming up and which have been met. Brian Tracy said, quote, communication is a skill that you can learn. It's like riding a bicycle or typing. If you're willing to work at it, you can rapidly improve the quality of every part of your life. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. 
I think it's an interesting pattern to watch uh, with just things that happen in life. How often people do what, uh, you know, the, the podcast that I was quoting yesterday, he, he calls that the blame thrower, which I think is a good way to remember it, not to just kind of dodge that responsibility. Well, but it is a fascinating thing, though. I was listening to uh, that podcast I mentioned yesterday, mm-hmm. All In. Yep. And there's five guys, I think, on this podcast. And it's funny. They were talking about a vast majority of their listeners are on the East Coast and the West Coast. Mm-hmm. So in other words, they're basically their podcast is mostly for left-leaning people. Yeah. And you can really, really tell. Mm-hmm. And you can also really, really tell that they're not used to having conversations that are – there's one guy that's, uh, mm-hmm. I would say, uh, in the middle – and they do not know how to have communication with people that do not have share the exact same beliefs on yeah. politics and whatnot uh, with them. Mm-hmm. And it's but what it's they do do very effectively, and the reason it's good to listen to is because they will somebody will spout like say for example the guy that's maybe uh, left leaning is going to have a conversation about something that is the guy that's you know maybe a little bit neutral right you, he's a little bit he's socially liberal conservative fiscally whatever it is right so what will happen is the guy who is liberal will uh, more left leaning he'll just spout off these points about a particular topic that he's very impassioned about and where the guy and you know that the guy he's talking to is in disagreement but they're not going to get in an argument they're not going mm-hmm. to debate you know points sure. he's not going to basically this are friends mm-hmm. and they want to remain friends and they right. said that's one of the premises of their podcast is they're not going that's to good. debate but he said so what he'll do is he'll pick out one of the points that the guy said mm-hmm. and said this is where i agree with you right so if the guy uh-huh. just said five things that the you know say guy a the liberal guy said all, you know from San Francisco right and that is where he lives said five things that guy B who isn't in San Francisco doesn't agree with guy B and guy A are just not going to go out go after each each other they're going to basically come to a uh, neutral territory Mm -hmm. where they're in agreement that they don't have to be in agreement, but they're going to find the things in which they agree on. And then they talk about those things. And that's what makes it interesting. Totally. That's what makes it more listenable. Right. Because there are podcasts we occasionally come across. We're like, no, I'm not listening to this. Right. But it is too extreme. But that one, they're having an actual conversation, which is related to our topic here. Exactly. And that, but the, Mm -hmm. the point being is that if you have to do business with, uh, if you're if you're wanting to model yourself after somebody, mm-hmm. you're going to want to model yourself after the person that is going to have um, the most appeal to the most people, yes. and in a genuine way, mm-hmm. not in a fake a doodle way like no. we were talking about with the self improvement guys yeah. that are always wearing the happy suit, right? Mm-hmm. But in a real authentic a way, more versatile. Someone way. someone that's willing to have a conversation with mm-hmm. somebody without actually having to look for the flaws in what you have to say. Opposed to looking for the flaws, look for the things that are common ground and build off the common ground. And then you have something really magical. Like our friendship with Scotty, for example. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so there are a lot of things we like and agree with and are going through with Scotty, but we don't have to agree with all stances, right? Or even get into it. At all. Because it's not... it's it's just hard to listen to. It turns people off to do that. Right. And, and but I think the, that's become too common on, you know, especially media. I, you know, I know a lot of people are believing, and I'm, this is going to be political, but I don't, you know, it, a lot of people believe that they're, we're at some sort of a, you know, a point in the country where there's going to be countries or states a that are going to start, roads. right, a crossroad. I don't believe it's true, honestly. I, there, You and I were watching mm-hmm. something on, what was it, Thomas Edison? What was it? Mm-hmm. Where, we were listening there, to it. Uh, no, it was, what were we, it was yesterday. Yeah. Okay. They were talking about some political person mm-hmm. it w- was mirroring exactly what was said, and this was back in like the 18 or 1900s, mm-hmm. and it was almost like this person was remarking on the current state of things in today's, yes. where, remind me what that was. Uh, trying to think what we were Maybe it was something we were watching in the evening about that. But it, it was about how the country seemed to be going 
polar opposite directions. And but this was like over. It was like 150 years ago. ago. Yeah. Yeah. And you and I both looked at each other, saying, "Why that sounds like it could be today." Yeah. Um, so I think that's interesting, and we're going to get into a little bit more of this. But but there were the, just again, I know, we're going to get off this little micro topic here in a second. Our country has been at what perceived what the the people living in the country at the time perceived to be crossroads, but what historians will look back upon is just a growth spurt. And what we're doing now is we're definitely doing some redefinition or redefining of how uh, essentially the the rules of the, uh, you know, essentially a lot of social rules, but other things are, but guys, there's not going to be any sort. Matter, matter of fact, on the other side of this, after the, the great, the, the biggest fortunes, and I mean that in the literal sense, are always made during the greatest times of change. And so you're going to, and that comes from, you know, all kinds of, their industrial revolution, technology revolution, mm-hmm. and now maybe we're going through a social revolution. Who knows, right? So if you're of an open mind and you're willing to uh, meet the, you know, the marketplace, because remember, this is Real Estate Coaching Radio. Our goal here is to help you guys learn to sell real estate. And you have the ability to converse with people on all sides of the spectrum, even though they might be caught in their you know, essentially their own little five foot world where they're just confirmation bias all over the place. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to make your essentially be more versatile and you're willing to essentially not get stuck in any of these conversational foibles um, and that have been normalized nowadays, you're going to basically you're going to be able to serve all kinds of different people and all kinds of different people at all different ages, all different races, all different whatevers. You're not going to have limitations and you can be of service to. The problem is if you're only going to be able to serve one little tiny micro niche, your world is going to get smaller and smaller and smaller mm-hmm. because there's going to be fewer people for you to actually work with and fewer people you're going to appeal to. You, you guys get it? Yes. And that, here's the thing too, is I think that most people, and this is probably subconscious, okay? Most people are subconsciously looking for reasons not to work with you. Everybody does that. And that could be a little uh, verbal tick. The, it could be a political slip. There's it could people, be many things. I guarantee you, there's mm-hmm. people listening to us right now mm-hmm. that don't like the fact that we're not being overtly to their side, whatever their side is. Yeah. And we've gotten criticism on iTunes and other places where people will light us up. And, and I, we've had some emails that came in before and texts that came in that said, you guys have a big audience. You should be putting your foot down about you know whatever the political movement was. And we didn't because political movements, guys, they come and they go right? P- opinions come and they go. You're going to be impassioned and crazy about something. And, and I mean, in a good way from your perspective. Mm-hmm. And then six months from now, you're not even going to remember feeling that way. You're not even going to be able to relate to it because things change. Well, the, something happens to you and you change your outlook, right? You read a different article, talk or, to a person with a different perspective and you change your outlook. Or you decide to start being in control of your behavior and stop allowing other people to treat you like a marionette at the end of a string or several strings that's controlling your behavior by, uh, you know, essentially how they make you feel through the media that you're consuming you know and this is all goes down to the again being introspective and removing yourself and almost looking at yourself uh you know as if you were a coach look at your own behavior and if you see you and, and we talked about this the other day if you feel yourself in a situation where you're feeling anxiety look t- physiologically find like when i fe- when i'm feeling a little bit stressed i feel it right around i don't know what this would be my stomach or something like uh, I, yeah, my kids are <laughs> just above my belly button, right? So I, I can actually feel. Now, I told somebody that once that had a medical background. Uh, he told me that there was some sort, that's where some sort of gland is that releases endorphins that has something to do with yeah. the whole thing. So he had a some really, thing, yeah, he right? had some chemical thing explanation, yeah. but all I'm saying is it's right above my belly button. So the essence of it is, is that when I am at and this, so this happens like if I'm coming in contact 
with somebody that's, that, and I notice that feeling that's manifesting in myself, I know whatever thought's going to come after that, or frankly, whatever action's going to come after that, I'm probably going to regret it in 15 minutes. So what because I do, that's your own personal tell. But I, but I had to learn that. Sure, of course. Yeah. Mine is uh, the side of my neck gets tight. Yeah. And but I, you I start had, to get that stress. But you had to learn it too. Sure. And, and so when you start to feel that manifesting in yourself, don't react to it because whatever is going to come from you uh, after when you start to get that sort of physiological reaction is not the best version of yourself and chances no. are you're going to regret breath. it. But here's the thing. The uh, essentially the world right now is all about trying to essentially pull your levers, push your buttons mm -hmm. to get you to feel that sort of fight or flight uh, state of being because then you're in a fear mode and then you're easily manipulated or you're easily convinced of a, a specific perspective or you're triggered to believe that the perspective that the other people have is some kind of uh, like enemy. And there was a survey done, and this was fascinating too, um, of Republicans and uh, self-identified Republicans and self-identified Democrats. And the survey, this was the question, you guys can Google this. Again, we're not being political. I just think it's interesting. Is when asked, the Republicans when asked what would be the greatest threat to the United States, they were mostly talking about China and they were talking about things that, you know, would seemingly be macro issues that would be a gen, you know, COVID maybe, the, you know, essentially the you know, amount of debt the country has. They were talking about things like that. And then when the Democrats were asked the same question, they were, their answer was largely uh, Republicans, conservatives. So how can you have, what's happened in our country where you have essentially, 50% of the country that doesn't like or won't has nothing to do with or has, has essentially made the other side evil in their minds. That's, that's something that's not natural or normal. And that's something that's been created and it's been manifested. And it's from a lot of people that are not being introspective about how they're actually feeling as a result of the, the content that they're um, essentially ingesting. And that goes also back to uh, communication. So you guys just be aware of all these things because when you do, you start to feel free because you're no longer such, um, you know, so you're no longer easily manipulated. You're, you're now, a, you're now uh, completely awake to the inputs that you're choosing to allow into your life. And then you're deciding whether or not you actually want to have that become part of your new operating system. Does that make sense? Absolutely makes sense. It's all about being aware, being introspective and working on yourself and all of these skills. And taking responsibility and, too. Yes. And owning it as we just talked about with the whole uh, excuse thing. So uh, sin number five, exaggeration. Yeah, that never happens in real estate, does it? <laughs> exaggeration is a prequel to lying. Don't be the drama king or drama queen in the relationship. This is a turnoff and causes people not to trust your accuracy. How do you feel about home inspectors who run off your buyers when there's a tiny plumbing leak? You probably won't hire them again for your next deal, right? So don't be the person that's into exaggeration because it is related to lying. That one's pretty easy, right? Okay, uh, dogmatism. This one you really do have to uh, watch out for. And I, I have to say on social media, this is pretty bad and uh, regular media is bad. What is dogmatism? This is the confusion of facts with opinions. This is most apparent when somebody is delivering their opinion with such enthusiasm that it appears to be fact. Once this is detected, the trust factor of the listener is diminished. You'll notice that a lot of the internet is full of dogmatism. And uh, there's a writer that I follow sometimes named Vera Nazarian who said, don't bother to argue anything on the internet, and I mean anything. The most innocuous, innocent, harmless, basic topics will be misconstrued by people trying to deconstruct things down to the subatomic level and then entirely miss the point. Seriously, keep peeling the onion and you get no onion. So I think that that makes a good point. Is, well and, and I would say, I, I thought so. 
um, not just debating anything on the internet, but really that comes down to texting. You know, there was a big lawsuit last year that the agent lost. I think it was a Century 21 deal where uh, the agent was trying to argue that they were right because they texted their negotiation. And of course, it pissed the other side off. It was misconstrued. The information wasn't right. The agent was wrong. It had to do with inspections. Of well, course. it always circles back to the it's same thing. It's because it was misconstrued. Yeah, well, and unprofessional. A lot of people are very, very bad in sending, uh, you know, yeah. messages, text or chat. Terrible. Well, and I even like our Puerto Rican accountant, right? They are notorious for sending really direct email that makes you feel like the world's going to end if you don't send a form by like now. And you complained, and now they <laughs> softened it up. I know. I'm like. Do you really need this? What's going to happen to me if I don't do this? Well, the reason in that case, and I, I have seen this with coaching clients as well, is that if English is not your first language, just like when I try and speak Spanish, I'm sure that I don't come off right at least 90% of the time, it can be totally misconstrued. Yeah, remember this it, is why real conversations matter. So this, is, this really happened. So there was a guy with a really good-looking dog, and I didn't realize. I was telling him he had – basically, I thought I was saying he had a handsome dog – and I said it like three times. He was looking at me strange. And I thought maybe he just didn't hear me. And Julie said, "You just you're calling him good. You're calling him good looking, not the dog." Yes. So <laughs> the dude. One word off. So the dude. The dude <laughs> thought I was flirting with him. I mean, so. I know. And like how many? I happened to know those two words. I'm sure it happens all the time. I'm sure I do it all the time. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of different uh, things like that. Conjugations so, and whatnot. Yes, but and it that's was why. Like I and I feel like I see that was in person, and we could sense something. When you do that over text, that sometimes makes somebody disappear, they ghost you, they overreact, you know, all kinds of things. So be well, careful with again, that. Again, this always goes back to basically this, the secret sauce that everyone should be focusing on. And it seems so basic and almost trivial and silly is the skill set. It's essentially how to root out some of the little foiblest conversational things that people do. But also knowing what to say and how to say it. Yes. And in my mind, when we're presenting information like this, I know that a lot of people were essentially this information is things that you guys will discover a lot of the way. As long as you stay on the path, as long as you climb up the mountain continuously, you'll find this information really useful. Some of you already do right now at the very present moment. But really this goes to the unconscious incompetence, the conscious incompetence, the conscious competence, and the, uncon and the unconscious competence, you know, the phases of essentially mastery. And, and as you're basically working up your skill set, you're going to discover that a lot of the things that, okay, Tim, I said it right. I said the script right. Mm -hmm. I did the presentation right, but I didn't get the result. And so what a great coach is going to do is they're going to say, well, I want you to record yourself saying what you said. And okay, well, how, you know, literally when you go on a listening presentation, take a recorder, tell the seller, you're mm -hmm. going to be recording the presentation and you're going to record it. And then even though you're not, you might be delivering the script or the conversation outline in a, in, in the correct way, the way you're saying it, the, what you're emphasizing is completely off and you don't even realize That's it. Right. it. You know, it's, ba but it takes an outside, an interested third party, right. like a coach to look in on what you're doing. I mean, I've listened to a lot of coaching calls where it's exactly that. I'm using the script, why, did I, why didn't I get the appointment? And I'll listen to it and it's usually one of five or six things, right? Typically it's, I hear you using the script, but you're not listening to the person's answer. You're just talking over them, getting right, to the next line. Interrupting them, right. jumping on it, sounding impatient, sounding like somebody that the other party wants to get off the phone with because you're just making them nervous, right? And that's typically typical of somebody learning their scripts who have learned the words but not the delivery. 
And there's a difference. This is why coaching exists. Yeah. And, it, you know, these are the little nuances. This is when... It's so, fixable, though. Well, premier coaching basically gets you into the flow of having a proven real estate system. This is where most people start with us. Like 99% of all agents start with premier coaching. Once you get your system created, once you, you know, it, it's every aspect of your real estate business, your systems, your scripts, your presentations, your buyer's presentations, your seller's presentations, uh, how to work in the luxury market, how to deal with distressed property, how to just do everything that you possibly mm -hmm. can come across in your real estate business. It's all there for as a premier coaching client. And you also have a daily daily semi-private coaching call. But what then a lot of you will experience is you're going to say, okay, I'm in the flow of things. I'm starting to work consistently. I'm starting to produce consistent results and make consistent income. Now I want to have an elevated experience where I can have someone come in and actually drill down and, and root, help me to self-identify and hold me accountable and really be confrontational on some of the things that I'm doing that are holding me back. That's what a real coach does. And that's the work part of real estate. And, and so having done this forever, I can tell you that a lot of people say, like if you ask most people, why'd you hire a coach? They're going to say, I wanted accountability. But you only want accountability when you're at the point where you're trans, where you're wanting to go from that conscious incompetence phase to the conscious competence phase in the middle, right? If you say you want accountability when you're still trying to basically resolve the formidable stages of your you know, learning, you're, you're not going to want the accountability and you're going to resent it. These are all, this, this is the reason we've created the systems that we've created mm -hmm. in our coaching program. So you can naturally move yourself from being in premier coaching, and then you can basically have a, a, a coach that is your own private coach. That's the system that we created for all of you. All of our coaches are Harris certified coaches. If you're interested in being a, a coach for us, there is a program. It goes, go to a Harris certified coach.com and learn about it. Um, and it's rigorous. Okay. I'm just telling you, there's a big test involved. It's not just, you don't fill out an application. We're going to hire you. It doesn't work like that. But the reality of it is, is that if you're wanting to move consistently to the next level. So, so let's imagine, let's think about this from a different perspective. You get into real estate. You're now going to, uh, you're not going to hire a coach. You're going to figure it out all on your own. You're going to go get some free content here, free content there. There's tons of free content on the internet. And you somehow are going to figure out a way to put together a system in your uh, formidable you know, weeks and months of your real estate career that's going to rival something that's proven to work over decades in every market, in every price range, in every condition. Right? You guys get the point? You're, so just think of it this way. If you want to start uh, you know, a restaurant, right, and you had this great idea for this restaurant, you're going to start it. You've never done a restaurant before. You have no clue the first thing to do is start a restaurant, your will fail 99% of the time versus somebody that decides to buy a franchise. Mm -hmm. Somebody that decides to buy essentially an existing structure yeah. with existing systems, with existing branding, with all the heavy lifting already done. You just got to plug yourself yeah. in. That's the difference between. So now there are agents out there who will say, I'm going to build my restaurant no matter what, because I have this big sense of, you know, creative angst that I want to, you know, show the world that somehow I can, you know, redefine how, you know, the real estate business is supposed to work and I can somehow make it so it's something no one's ever, well, you're not really in the business to be help people and make money. You're on some other journey that has really nothing to do with business. You're doing something or of an art. Profitability, quite Or right. profitability. You're doing something of an art project is what you're doing. Or the other thing that Julie and I are fond of talking about, a lot of you get into the business with the idea that you want to make money, replacement income, take care of your families. You want to, mm -hmm. you know, you want to essentially have some, build something you're proud of. And then your hopes and your dreams and your ambitions get co-op by all these people that are trying to impress upon you that you have to follow their paths. And that would be teams, branding, that would be marketing, that would be all these other, you know, things 
that they're trying to sell to you and you don't, and I'm not being, I am being critical, but let's just be factual. You don't have enough business and life experience to essentially filter the BS from the reality. Yeah, no business maturity. Right. And we didn't either when we got well, into real estate. And it's not your fault because they don't teach you that in real estate school. Yeah. And it, it exactly. At and, all. And so you then all of a sudden are circulating around other people that are telling you, you just need to become a brand and create a bunch of videos. And you believe that's true and it doesn't work. And then you start to financially struggle and then you, you're out of the business. And guys, this is the cycle that most of you will suffer from. Why don't you skip the all the trying to figure it out stage and why don't you actually follow the path that's been proven to work in all market conditions for all ages in all states, different all parts of the ranges. country, all price ranges. It's called Premier Coaching. If you guys want to learn about Premier Coaching, the easiest way for you to join, and it's only around $100 a month, um, is to go over to timandjulieharris.com, click on Coaching and just join Premier. Or you can text the word SUCCESS to 47372, text the word success to 47372. And when you do, we'll text you back a link and then someone from our staff will call you back. But really, I know some of you are urgently ready to join. You're tired of getting ready to get started. Just go over to the website and sign up. That's the quickest way. You can skip the, uh, the wait in the line. Um, yeah, so anyway, that's what I was thinking about. Yes, and we'll continue on this uh, route for tomorrow. And we're we'll Ooh, we're getting seven. into good stuff. Yes, and yes. And then we'll talk about you know, the uh, Harris rules for better presentation and communication. We're going to roll into that. Oh yes, these are my ne these rules are fantastic. <laughs> you eliminate the use of word I, me, or my or me, or mine from speech. Listen, I can't even say the words. <laughs> That's because you've worked on it. I have. I do. I hate it when I when I hear myself using a personal pronoun. It makes my skin crawl. Uh, I, you know what was funny? I just we'll wrap up in a second. When we were presenting in Des Moines for Heath Moulton's group. Uh -huh. And he, he opened up asking something personal, like, how did you get into coaching or something like that? And, and you and I were both like, we, that wasn't even in our scripting, right? Because we don't really talk about I, me, my, or mine. And you can all look it up on, online, right? right. Uh, but I thought, it, I thought it was funny that we were kind of stymied by that because we've trained this out of our Well, when I do, when we and I, you and I, ugh, when you and I do Zooms, okay? <laughs> right. And, and sometimes the Zoom, the people on the Zoom that we're just there to present, are not professional. Yeah. They will ask everyone to introduce themselves and give a little bio. Yeah. And it's interesting to me that sure. you can see the less experienced people will ramble on and just brag on themselves forever. Right. Their awards list. Exactly. And what Julie and I will do is we'll just drop a link to our bio in, in the chat. <laughs> That's right. And, then we'll just, and we'll just move on. Because here's the thing. Nobody really gives a rat's ass when they're getting to know you about you. They want to know that you're interested in them. And, and that, that you can get the results that you promise. Exactly. And then they're going to backfill and want to know more, more about you personally. But leading with that, thinking that somehow that's magically going to make them want to do business with you, not, you know, it doesn't work. That's not how real life works. So we're going to be going to the practical and tactical rules of better presentation and communication tomorrow. In the meantime, if you guys want to talk to Julie and I about joining our EXP group, which is called Libertas, if you want to learn more about Libertas and EXP, just text the letters EXP to 47372. If you're looking for a sponsor and you're ready to join EXP and you've not already chosen your sponsor, please feel free to text me directly at 512-758-0206. 512-758-0206. Please do text. Do not call. I'm almost always on the phone. So if you're ready to join EXP and you're looking for a sponsor and you'd like to join Julie and I at EXP, please do text me directly, 512-758-0206. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day, and we'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.